Last week, we started a new series called The Spark of Understanding. I mean, I'm sorry. We started a new series called It Only Takes a Spark, uh, based on the idea of, uh, you know, it only takes one spark to burn down a forest, but it only takes one kind word or one smile to change the atmosphere of a room. So I want us to use uh, these little opportunities we have to spark in a positive way, to create positive change around us. And we're going to look at five specific actions that Jesus has called us to take. These are fundamental teachings of our Lord, not doing Him necessarily in any kind of priority. But last week we talked about the spark of kindness. Today we're going to talk about the spark of understanding. And I want you to realize, and you know this, uh, actions are like seeds. If you plant pumpkin seeds, you're going to have pumpkins. If you plant, you know, corn seeds, you're going to have corn. So the more you do these things, the more you're kind, the more you're understanding, the more you spread those actions around, the more they're going to come back to you. It's a spiritual principle of harvest. You reap what you sow. We talked about kindness. Today, another spark igniting action that I think we all need to get in the habit of spreading around, and that is the spark of understanding. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus deals with the subject of judging. He says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. Again, that law of the harvest. And the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Let's pray. Jesus, in the next half hour, I pray that you will come through your Holy Spirit and speak to each of our hearts as individuals. Not a corporate message for a church, but I pray that each of us will hear from you on how we can be more understanding. None of us want to be judgmental, yet many of us find ourselves judging others. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us today to learn some things so that we will be a spark in our classroom, in our orchard, in our retail business, even in our own home and our own church, that we might seek to understand first and foremost where other people are coming from. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you remember kind of the warm, fuzzy feelings of the 1970s. There was kind of a, a, a mantra during that time. Don't judge me, and I won't judge you. And to outsiders in those days, the church, man, we were seen as the most judgmental organization on the face of the earth. And we were put on this pedestal where everyone took shots at us. Because in this era of do your own thing, if it feels good, do it. The church said, no, we need to stand firm on the values and the principles of the word of God. And we still need to, even in 2019. But times have changed since the 1970s. And it's now become America's favorite pastime to pass judgment, 
on anyone and everyone who doesn't adhere to some kind of new liberal morality. You know, if you support the wrong group, if you have the wrong political opinion, if it can be documented that you've ever done anything wrong in your life, you can expect to be shamed and castigated by the media, by social media, by those in your circles. It's almost like, how dare you not think like the rest of us? How dare you not be as good or as understanding or embracing as the rest of us? How could you not? This is the standard. And that's the national stage that we live in. But there's plenty of one-on-one judgment happening too. And I can't control what's happening on the national stage, but I can control through the power of the Holy Spirit what happens in my life. But I'm just saying in 2019, this judgmental attitude is wrecking havoc in our, in our society, in our nation, in our relationships. And it can, reluc- it can, uh, it can um, uh, wreak havoc in your home and in, in a church and in a community if we're not careful. Being judgmental simply means that we're making a habit really to find fault, usually in a kind of a nitpicking manner. We do that with other churches. Well, they don't baptize the way we baptize, or they don't worship the way we worship. We can do it with individuals or a group. You know, another way of saying that being judgmental means that it's your go-to response is that you look down on a person or an organization or a group primarily based on what you think you know about him. (laughs) Anyone recognize this this lady who is on the screen? You do. Well, what's her name? Susan Boyle. She's known now, but she was an unknown. She's an accomplished professional singer. And she first appeared on Britain's Got Talent. And she took the judges by complete surprise. And stories like hers have become this kind of YouTube staple. You know, she was an aspiring musician. But when she took stage initially, she looked rather unimpressive. You know, and the judges began to judge her based on her appearance. Well, what can we expect of her performance by her appearance? And when you look at those kind of things, sometimes you detect this subtle mockery even in their opening interview, the little smirk of Simon, like what does this person have to offer? And then all of a sudden, as Susan Boyle did, man, she began to sing, and it turned out that she did have talent. And the judges were completely blown away because they had judged her incorrectly. That's what happened to her. You would never guess by looking at Susan Boyle early on, specifically listening to her, that thick, Scottish brogue. You'd never think that she could sing the way that she does. But after that stunning performance on Britain's Got Talent, man, she's gone on to record seven studio albums. She's performed all over the world. She kind of serves as a reminder that we've got to be careful not to make snap judgments of other people. The thing is that I find myself, and you 
probably do too, is that you don't prejudge people just based upon their talent. We have a tendency to prejudge people on other areas, like maybe the way they're dressed. We prejudge people by their vocabulary, the way they talk, maybe even the kind of car they drive. Not that it's an old beater. It could be a brand new BMW. And all of a sudden, just because of that, we begin to prejudge that person. See, it works both ways. We judge people on the kind of job they have, or if they have a job at all. Oh, you mean you don't work? We judge people, unfortunately, when their children misbehave. Because we just assume that, well, those must be bratty kids. They always misbehave. Which means that these must not be good parents. Man, we just, that's our propensity. That's why Jesus says, man, you've got to be careful. We have this tendency to make snap judgments about others based on nothing more than our misperceptions and our preconceived ideas. We meet someone and they say, yes, I'm a member of the Catholic Church. And all of a sudden, your mind is, And it makes us, unfortunately, look down on people unfairly. Because to be honest, we often use snap judgments as a justification to feel better about ourselves. So in this next section of my message, I, I just want to consider three reasons that we have no right to judge anyone. And I hope that this week when I feel, and I hope that when you feel a sense of judgment coming on, that the Holy Spirit will remind us of these three basic things. And the first is, you don't know enough about a situation to judge. I mean, you really don't. You might think you do, but you don't know enough about a situation to judge. I want to go back to January of this year, 2019. In fact, it was January 18th. It was reported that a handful of teenagers who were attending a March for Life rally in Washington, D.C., but happened to have on ball caps that said, Make America Great Again. Remember the incident? It was reported based upon a hat and a video that went viral that these teenagers instigated an altercation. And I don't need to go into the details of the story. You remember it. You've heard it a hundred times. But we know that what was reported by the media was not accurate. But it didn't stop millions of people judging those kids because of a hat that they had on. All of a sudden, those teenagers were labeled as bigoted. Were they? No. Man, there's all sorts of lawsuits right now in place. There has been major media people apologizing to those teenagers, saying, you know, we thought this is what happened, but looking back, we were wrong. We're sorry. What happened? There's been printed retractions. Another incident happened just a few weeks after that. Uh, a movie star that some of you might know 
claimed that he had been attacked at 2 o'clock in the morning in downtown Chicago. Man, he had this story. He painted these other people in a, in a bad light. And millions of people, probably some of us, jumped to this quick conclusion. We thought we knew what had happened. We didn't know what had happened. Turns out he had actually hired those people to attack him. You know, it didn't happen the way that we thought it happened and that it was reported to happen. And those two things in our national scene should help each of us take pause and say, man, we often think we know enough to pass judgment on other people. But the truth is, most of the time, none of us have enough information at our disposal to make that call. That's why Jesus said, hey, just don't judge. Let it go. Let it go. Don't jump on the bandwagon. Let it go. See, part of the problem today, we think we have to have an opinion on everything. Why is that? The truth is, friends, and this would be very uh, uh, releasing to you, you do not have to have an opinion on everything. It's okay. It's okay for you to say, well, you know, I really don't know about, enough about that situation to have an opinion yet. Oh, yes, I've heard that in the news, but I really don't know enough. I don't have enough information to choose sides. And we can't pass judgment on others because we simply, most of the time, don't have enough information. Another reason we have no right to judge is, to be honest, we don't, we, we're not objective enough. We're too biased, every one of us. I was uh, studying for this message, and I was looking in a commentary by William Barclay. William Barclay is a Bible scholar. He's got some really good stuff, and I, I read this, and I had never heard this. He claims that when the Greeks held a particularly important and difficult trial, they always did it in the dark because they didn't want the judge or the jury to even see the person on trial because they were afraid they would be influenced by that person's appearance. Man, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Because we're biased when we see things. <laughs> Have you ever been watching football and, you know, there's a play that's just too close to call? And, you know, they do the instant replay thing and you just can't tell, man, did, was that receiver inbounds? Or did he step out of bounds before he caught the pass? Well, it's easy, in my opinion. You know, if it's a Seahawk, he was in bounds. <laughs> no, no doubt. I don't need to see the instant replay. I saw it, and he was in bounds. But believe me, if it's a Patriot, he's out of bounds. No. Yep. He was way out of bounds. That pass was incomplete. See, I, I can't, because I'm biased. And maybe I'm biased in other areas too. And maybe you are as well. Only the Holy Spirit can show that to you. What about when your friend or your child's in conflict with another person? Maybe somebody that you don't know. I guarantee if it's your kid involved, it's going to influence your, perspe your perception of the conflict. 
It's tough to be objective in those kind of situations because we all have biases that color our perspective. And it's okay. That's just who we are. We just need to recognize them. I'm not saying we should even change them. I'm just saying we should recognize them. Recognize that we don't have enough information to judge situations. And generally, we can't be objective because we do have some biases. Maybe it's your nationality. Maybe it's your upbringing. Maybe it's that moment that you found the Lord, and that moment was so powerful that you just have embraced it to the point that you think everybody needs that same moment to have that same relationship with the Lord. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. Third reason that we can't judge is that we're not good enough. We're not good enough. We are not good enough to pass judgment. Remember the story in John chapter 8? The religious people brought a woman to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. And the Old Testament law of Moses said that we should stone her. What do you say? And you remember the story. Jesus said, well, if any of you are without sin, feel free. Pick up a rock and throw it at her. And you know what happened? Every single accuser left. And that story should always be in the forefront of our mind. We need to break the judging of others because none of us are qualified to sit in the judgment seat because none of us are without sin. We all have sinned. Every one of us have sinned. Now, I know we tend to qualify our sin. We say, oh, yes, I have sin in my life, and I'm not perfect, but at least it's not like that person's sin. Why do we do that? Well, it makes us feel better. I've never done what he's done. Sin is sin. God hates sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin distorts. Sin deceives Man, don't think that your sin is more honorable than your neighbor's. Say, well, yeah, I'm not perfect, but... No, you're not perfect, and I'm not perfect. And that person often that we're judging is not perfect either. That's why the book of James puts it this way, James 4.12, who are you to judge your neighbor? Because, see, we all stand on this level ground that we've all sinned. We've all offended God. That's why the apostle Paul said in Romans 14, why do you judge your sister and your brother, even in a context of a church? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we all will stand before God's judgment seat. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians actually unpacks that a little bit, clarifies it for us. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due for him, for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. See, someday we're all going to give an account. And when Jesus points out a sin to you, I don't think it's going to be acceptable to say, 
well, yeah, but that's not as bad as that guy's sin. <laughs> oh. So in the six or seven minutes I have left, because I think we all can identify, I think we all can identify with this talk to some degree. You've been maybe trapped by judging others, something you heard on the news and you believed it because you didn't, or maybe something that someone told you about somebody or maybe just because someone dressed a certain way or drove a certain car or maybe they belonged to a certain church. If you've been caught in the trap of judging, I'm not going to judge you for that. <laughs> I, I want to give you three keys to breaking the cycle. Three keys to breaking the cycle. I apologize they didn't get into the program. So you have to write these three words down. Humility, empathy, and grace. Those are the three words. Those are the three things that will help us to break the cycle. Paul said in Romans 12, 3, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That's humility. Sometimes we put ourselves, you know, on this pedestal, and instead, we need to put ourselves in our place. <laughs> None of us have the right to cast the first stone. There are times when we need to do a reality check. And remember, hey, we're sinners. We have made some bad choices. We have messed up. We need to be humble. The second thing is we need to be empathetic. Empathetic. That means putting yourself in the other person's skin. Trying to understand where they're coming from. More than 2,000 years ago, Rabbi Hillel said, do not judge a man until you yourself have come into his circumstances or situation. I know there are some exceptions, but remember we're all products of our upbringing, of our environment. We're not victims to our circumstances, but we are who we are because of past experiences. And some of the best qualities that we have are because of advantages that we've been given in life. And some of people's worst qualities are really the results of the disadvantages that they grew up with. And I understand that. As I said, there are exceptions. But if you make an attempt to enter into the other person's experience, what about if you had been grown, what about if you had grown up, you know, in the projects of a ghetto and your mother was an addict? That probably would change the way that you saw a situation. What about if you, instead of judging, would stop for a minute, even dialogue with that person to try to understand where they're coming from? It's interesting, this week, God gave me an opportunity, a, a real-life example, a, a dear brother that I love, and he loves me, yet I, I, I don't know, I was just kind of bothered by something. And he was in the office, and I said, hey, why don't you come in my office for a minute? I, I want to talk to you, because I just felt this tension. And we talked, and I said, you know, I, I just kind of felt like maybe you should have handled that differently. And he said, well, man, Pastor, I never thought of it from that way. He said, let me tell you what I was thinking. 
In about five minutes, he laid out, you know, his background, his upbringing, the way he had been trained, even in the career that he had. And all of a sudden, a light bulb went off in my mind, and I aha, that's why he responded the way he did. He actually was loving me. He was protecting me. He was doing really opposite of what I thought he was doing. But I didn't get it until I sat down and talked with him. And he understood where I was coming from, and I understood where he was coming from. And I said, thank you, Lord for helping me to be able to actually apply the lesson that I'm going to preach on Sunday. But see, if we hadn't taken that opportunity to talk, you know what Satan would have done? (laughs) All of a sudden, that thing would have been magnified. I would have made that out to be something that it wasn't. He might have then not understood that there was a better way of handling situations because of the perspective I was looking at. That's called empathy, understanding where the other person's coming from. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3 says, Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. When you see someone that rubs you the wrong way, remember them as if you were in their shoes. Hurting people often hurt others. We know that. Sometimes you have to look beyond that. Putting ourselves in that place of understanding, an attitude of humility, an attitude of empathy, and thirdly, an attitude of grace. Ephesians 4, 32, Paul says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, just as God through Christ forgave you. So that's what I'm asking of all of us. Show the same grace and mercy to other people that God has shown to you. Offer that second chance to other people as God has given you a second chance. Extend to others the same benefit of the doubt that you want God to extend to you. God has poured out his grace upon you, and now you can pour out your grace, his grace through you to others. That's what the word of the Lord was about this morning, a vessel of honor, though we would treat people the way that Jesus would want them treated. It was part of the foundational Jewish heritage that Jesus was part of. Remember, Jesus was a Jew. Remember, the Old Testament, the Israelites lived under the Mosaic law. And the ancient teaching actually taught the Jews there were six works that would give you credit on earth and the life to come. Study the word, meaning the Torah. Visit the sick. Practice hospitality. Be devoted to prayers. Teach your children the law of God. And the sixth one was, think the best of other people. So as Jesus taught about judging, as Jesus responded to the lady caught in adultery, he was doing it on this foundational teaching that the Jews had always taught. Think the best of other people. 
Don't assume the worst in them because of the way they were dressed or a hat that they might have had on. Our challenge is to think the best of others. Ignite the spark of understanding. And that is done when we make an intentional choice to see other people in the best possible light. Now let me conclude by just saying that doesn't mean that no one should be held accountable or that you completely ignore destructive behavior. I'm not saying that. It means, though, that you show others the same grace and the same kindness and the same mercy that you hope to receive from God. And do you know what happens when you withhold judgment and extend the gift of understanding? (laughs) Two things. It comes back to you. More mercy comes your way. More understanding comes your way. And secondly, this spark of understanding, the spark of empathy, the spark of humility has the power to grow in those around you. That's the spark I want us to be in our homes, in our schools, in our place of business. You can't change the way everybody else reacts. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can change the way that we relate to other people. We don't have all the facts. We're not objective. And... We're just not simply holy and good enough to judge. Let's leave that in the hands of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, today I thank you for a teaching from your word that every person in this auditorium and every person who might be listening on the podcast can apply to their life. Because, God, we all tend to prejudge based upon our own preferences based upon our own lifestyles, based upon our own interpretation. But God, I pray that you will help us to have a heart of understanding, to try to relate to where that person's coming from. Forgive us, God, for the times that we've jumped to conclusions and help us to do better, Lord. Help us to love, to be kind, to be empathetic. And Lord, help us most of all to trust you Someday we will all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You will make all things right because you're the only one that is holy and sinless and knows everything about any person or any situation. So may we trust you for the final judgment. In Jesus' name, amen.